0: Today we're talking about peace, and I want you to answer this question in your head. When you think of peace, what comes to mind? You know, just what kind of imagery do you get in your head when you think of peace? And if you were tasked with defining or describing peace to someone else, how would you do that? How would you describe to someone else what is peace? What does peace mean? Now, you're welcome to disagree, but for me, I have found the best definition of peace is this, is that peace is presence. Peace is presence, and more specifically, that peace is the presence of God. And in this season, when we say the phrase, peace on earth, I get the literal image that God came to earth, peace Came to earth in the form of a baby, and he grew up, lived a perfect and sinful life. And peace was nailed to the cross, and peace was put in the tomb, and peace rose again and overcame sin and death and the grave. And peace came so that we could live at peace with God, because without Jesus coming, we were lost and hopeless and alone, separated from God by our sin. We were at conflict with God because of the things that we had done in our lives, but yet Jesus came so that we can have forgiveness of sin and so that we can find peace and have an avenue to find life in Christ. So to me, peace is is the presence of God, that he came to earth. And, and just to further this idea of peace being presence, it, it's not a concept, it's not an idea. It's, it, to me, it's a, it's a person, and it's what happens when Jesus is real in your life. And I tell you this all the time, I learn so much about the truth of God's word as he deals with me in different ages and stages of life and as I interpret and see these things. And one of the things that came to my mind as I was thinking about peace and I was thinking about presence this week was I remember being a little kid and I remember we went as a family to an amusement park I grew up in Fort Worth it was Six Flags I'm, Ooh, secret Six Flags so we're all there at Six Flags and, and you know how it is, you're just kind of excited and you're there with all this family and things are going on and, and I don't know, I was six, seven years old at the time and it's just that moment, And in your head it lasted for an hour but it's just that moment that all of a sudden you're kind of running around doing something, not paying attention and you look up and you realize that there's not a familiar face around you and that feeling of sheer terror that comes over you and you're just starting to look around and you begin to panic a little bit. And maybe tears well up in your eyes and you're going, I don't know what I'm supposed to do because I just feel like I'm alone here and I'm lost because there is no one here that knows me. I am not in the presence of anyone that I feel comfortable with. And I, I, rem- I can remember the feeling of just looking around and being there and walking around and wondering. And then finally catching the vision of my father of God, there's my dad. And just everything in me going, <sighs> from sheer panic and misery and fear and all, to just this, <sighs> there he is. He hadn't even seen me yet at that time. But I, I, I made a beeline over there and it was just this, he didn't have to say anything, didn't have to do anything. Just the presence was just enough to just, <sighs> I'm calming down. And so to me, When we say the prince of peace, I'm I'm talking about the fact that Jesus came and his presence now should allow us to live our lives in such a way that when we acknowledge his presence, we can just find that type of peace, that he is here. Even in the midst of the chaos, God is here and we are good. You see, the enemy wants to steal your peace, but Christ came so that we can have peace. He's the prince of peace. And the peace that his presence brings goes beyond any peace that this world could offer. The peace of God goes beyond any peace that this world can offer. And it's not necessarily a a Christmas verse, but I want you to follow along with me in Philippians chapter 4. Because when we think about the idea of peace and what is peace and how do I have peace and what does it mean to have peace, I I think that there is some truth in this passage that we're going to look at that can help us understand exactly what this peace of God is and how significant it is that the Prince of Peace has come to abide in our hearts. I'm also gonna teach you how to pronounce these names. You ready? Philippians chapter four, starting in verse two. I urge you, Odea, And Syntyche, okay, got that? To agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who've contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is Near, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.'" Now, this is what stands out to me about this verse. I am about to attempt to preach about something which surpasses all understanding. So that will let you know how successful this message will be today. Because scripture teaches us that the peace of God is beyond even our understanding. But what this scripture also shows is that there, however, is a way that we can experience and have that peace in our life. And to simply put it, it's this way. When we follow the word of God and we do things the way that God tells us, teaches us, commands us to do them, then it leads us to experience the peace of God in our life. But when we choose to ignore God's word or to second guess God's word or to think that we have it down a little better than God's word and try to pursue it on our own, we're not going to get there. There is a path to peace that is demonstrated in this passage, and it has to do with obedience. When we do things God's way, we can find God's peace God's directions lead us to live in his presence and to have peace in all situations in life. It's a peace that goes beyond understanding. But it's a peace that we can have because not of how we do or what, but because of who he is. It's his presence that brings peace. So that's why Christ came is because we were no longer in a position where we could find our way to God on our own. We were lost, hopeless, helpless on our own, like a little kid at Six Flags looking for his daddy. We were fearful, we were hurt, we were worried. And yet when Jesus came, he showed the way for us to be able to find peace. The Prince of Peace has arrived, and he will lead us to God. And then Paul, in his writings, the author of Philippians, Paul shows us a demonstration of a pathway to peace. We follow God's way, and we find peace. So let's look at this pathway that he puts out. You see what's going on. Obviously, Paul's saying, look, there's some people, some godly people, some people who profess to be followers of Christ, but they're not getting along. There's some things that are happening. And so Paul says, look, I plead that you help these people get along. And, you know, 2020's brought a lot of stress, Right? It's brought a lot of things out. It's disrupted the peace of many people. We'll just put it that way. And so we need to learn how to trust God in this and find peace in the midst of this mess, right? And so here's the pathway that I see in this passage I'd like to share with you this morning. The first thing that he shows us is if I want to find peace, the first thing I need to learn how to do is I can rejoice in the Lord. I can rejoice in the Lord. I might not always be able to rejoice in my situation, but I can always rejoice in the Lord. The psalmist puts it this way, Psalm 33:1: Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous ones. Praise from the upright is beautiful. So simply put, I would say it this way no matter what your situation is in life, no matter where you are, no matter the overwhelming feelings that may be piling in your heart and in your mind, just pause and praise. Just take a moment to stop and to think of the great things that God has done in your life, through your life, and around your life And ascribe him glory. When you feel small, let God be big. This is what Paul is saying. You find your path to peace by leaving the pity party and choosing to rejoice in the Lord. Because no matter what is going on, God is good. And God has a plan. And God has a way. And sometimes we need to be reminded, boy, I'm in this camp, that it's not always about me. And when we tend to be the center of things, we lose our peace. But when we stop and reflect on the goodness of God and we see that God is at work and God is alive and well, his work will lead us to peace and to goodness As we choose to follow his word. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 118. It's simply put, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The psalmist says, here's your reason to rejoice. The sun came up. So be happy. God has made another day that includes you. And so let's rejoice in the moment, no matter what the day brings. The only thing that we need to be able to rejoice is to remember that God has made this day. He created you, he created me, and he gives us life, and he invites us to find peace in him alone. And so when we learn to rejoice, it starts to lead us to peace and I'm not talking about situational peace well if I can just get all these things to settle down and all the planets line up and all these people do the right thing then I'll be able to relax a little that's not godly peace that's situational peace and and I'm not talking about peace that only comes through the words and the works of other people no I can explain that one that is not beyond my understanding that's pretty simple I feel good when people say good things to me that's not hard I feel bad when people say bad things to me. That's that's not difficult. But there's a peace that goes beyond understanding that happens when we rejoice in the Lord and we follow him no matter what the situation is around us. Rejoice in the Lord. He is good. He is faithful. And he alone is enough. And that should have got an amen out of a bunch of Baptists. And I'm sure it did online, but these people here are not awake yet. but God, thank you very much. Thank you very much over here. Had to coax it, but I got one. I preach a lot better when y'all talk back. I'm just letting y'all know, okay? But thank you. We need to rejoice in the Lord. You're waking up. Rejoice in the Lord. He's good. He's faithful. He's enough. And that alone, that alone is enough for the peace for God to reign in my heart. But Paul gives us more even in this passage. Not just to rejoice in the Lord, but he goes on and he says that we're supposed to give grace to others. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. I don't feel like being gracious if I don't have peace. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to have peace unless you learn to be gracious. Paul's saying We need to give grace to others, and I can do this. Now, let's just reverse that, flip it around, because there is a backside to it. When I don't have peace, I am not gracious, nor am I grateful. And that's just really how it works. And if I have trouble being gracious and grateful, then what I need to learn to do is rejoice in the Lord. And I know you're thinking, boy, you're just making this sound like it's all too simple, Simple and easy, remember, are two different things. I'm not saying that it's easy to do this, but the path is simple. Paul's telling us, rejoice in the Lord, give grace to others. And if you're having trouble giving grace to others, then you probably are also having trouble rejoicing in the Lord. The two are connected, and we need to see how they go together. And so, listen, if you are walking through a season of difficulty, hear me on this, you can find joy. In rejoicing that others aren't having to walk through the season of difficulty that you are. Don't throw anything. But I want you to hear me on this. I've said this before. A mark of a mature person is the ability to find joy in the good fortune of others. It's a demonstration of love and dependence on God alone to give me what I need while he also provides for others. So the truth is there are gonna be seasons of life when it seems like others have more going on than I do. And in those seasons of life, I have a choice to either rejoice in the Lord or to throw a big old pity party. But if I choose to rejoice in the Lord and I choose to give grace to others, then I find a, a, a peace that goes beyond understanding that overwhelms my life And I can find joy in the good fortune of others knowing that God is still in control and at work in my life. And as I obey him and follow him, he's going to lead me to the goodness that he has for me and for the life that he has for me. You see, because peace has come to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, we get to share that peace as God's ambassadors. We get to take that peace and share it to others. And so when we see that we might be walking through difficulty and and we choose to rejoice in the Lord and we still choose to rejoice in the good things that happen in others' lives and give grace there, there is something that begins to transform in our heart because what we're doing is we're ascribing glory to God saying, God, in your sovereignty, you see that this way is best and my trust is in you. And because you are still at work, I can still rejoice. And because I can still rejoice, I can find that peace that goes beyond understanding. And you can help me no matter what the season is in life. Matthew 6, chapter 14, I mean Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. Jesus says these words, If you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. He's saying that we have to learn to be gracious and give grace to those. When when we can see the work of God in our life but refuse to see God working in others' lives, that has to do with our lens, not God's work. And so we we, we take these things and we give them to God because we know that he loves us and he sees us and, and that we can find peace. In rejoicing in the good fortune of others because it 's a demonstration that God is still at work, and, and i 'm reminded of the person who wrote these words that we 're reading today. His name's Paul. I know some of you who are watching this or maybe listening might not be familiar with Paul or might not be familiar with the new testament that 's okay. Paul was a man who was a religious leader and he had a lot of influence and at that particular point in his life when he had this influence as a religious leader, he was persecuting Christians. And he was going around putting them in jail. He was even executing them and leading them. And then one day on the road to Damascus, Jesus met Paul and transformed Paul's life. And as Paul's life was transformed, he went from a life of influence and of position and probably of comfort and acceptance To a life that was spent pouring himself out to others, in jail, persecuted, attempted to be murdered several times. As a matter of fact, many of the words that we read in the New Testament that are written by Paul are actually written from jail as he's dealing with persecution. And he's the one who writes, rejoice in the Lord always. He's the one who writes, Let your graciousness be known to everyone. He's the one that, if you follow along in Philippians chapter 4 a little further, he writes, That you know that I have found the secret to being content beyond my circumstances. And it is this that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Peace is presence. It's the presence of God. It's knowing God. It's doing what God says. As we know him and obey him, our life might not look peaceful, but our heart will. Because God will guide us on that path to peace. The prince of peace has come so that we can know peace. Now, you may be sitting here this morning going, all right, pastor, that's all well and good, And it sounds really good for you to preach that, but here's the reality of my life, and I'm struggling with this, and I don't know what to do with this. Well, Paul talks about that, too, because the last thing he says in this passage that I want to point out today is this. I can take my concerns to God. I can take my concerns to God. Don't worry about anything, he says, which makes us all laugh. It's like telling some of us not to breathe. But in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And that's where we get verse seven. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I can take my concerns to God. Can I confess something to you this morning? I used to have a really bad habit in my life. The really bad habit in my life was I did not take my concerns and cares to God. I would take my cares and concerns to everyone except God, thinking that they could take care of them. And can I just tell you some things I've learned about that? The first thing that I learned is this, is that when we seek commiseration in our life, it just makes two people miserable instead of one. So that's the first thing I learned, is I can just find someone that's as upset about things as I can, and then we can both have a bigger pity party, and that doesn't help anybody. Second thing I learned about this was when I take something off of my chest by putting it on somebody else's chest, it just burdens them. That doesn't help anybody. I just need to vent and get this off my chest. Basically, it's would you please take this burden that I've been carrying and you carry it now because I don't want to carry it anymore. And now we just hand that off to somebody else and then they're bitter and upset and mad. It just goes in the circle. But when I truly learn To take my concerns and cares to God, because he's big enough to handle them, that's when things begin to change. Here's the kicker. I take them to God and then I listen to what he has for me. And here's what I've learned. The things that God has for me that are going to lead me to peace and to do something normally go beyond the things that I could have thought of on my own peace that goes beyond understanding and I've learned to say okay God here's my concerns and here's my cares and here's my hurts and here's my wants and here's my desires and I'm going to hand these to you and I don't know what to do and God is faithful because he always will tell me this is what you need to do with those things and many times the conversation goes like this I don't want to And God goes, well, that's great, but this is what you need to do with that. And I go, that's great. I don't want to. And God says, well, this is what you need. And I'm going, God, this makes no sense. He goes, isn't it awesome that it makes no sense? Because if you could have figured it out, you probably wouldn't have brought it to me in the first place. So I'm telling you, child, this is what you need to do. And without fail... Every time that I have obeyed God's word, it's led me to life. Without fail. Every time I obey God's word, it leads me to life. And that's where the Prince of Peace has come so that we can have a restored relationship with God. We were once enemies of God. We were in conflict with God. We couldn't know the things of God because we had no path to God. And God sent the greatest gift ever in the person of Jesus Christ to restore a relationship with him so that we can have peace with God. And when we follow his word and live his way, he will lead us to life And one of many aspects of that life is peace that goes beyond understanding. Are you trusting yourself or are you trusting God? Take it to Jesus.